I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this is Dog Ears and Timestamps, a book club podcast. Soon, the Ripped Boys podcast. New Ripped Boy podcast. Ripped Boys, because Will started to do a P90X ab routine every night and inspired me to get ripped. So, we're getting ripped. <laughs> this is not true. <laughs> and you heard it first. Here, Dog Ears and Timestamps, the Ripped Boys podcast. So, we're going to rip books. We're going to rip workouts. We're going to rip... You know, your mind's open with new information. It's going to be the wow. best. We didn't even know that last week I, we had a revelation on uh, short stories. Like if we had a oh, clip, yeah, if we right. had a clips channel, that would be one of the clips. Like when you, <laughs> when, you when you blew, when, yeah, when you blew my mind on like how to uh, like what is a short story and. Um, uh, when Just you, it focusing on the idea rather than the character. Yeah, because literally we went through every single short story I could think of, and that was exactly it. Like I couldn't remember any of the characters, but I remembered the the point. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was almost yeah. like the point of history class, where they're like, "There's a moral to this, where we learn from our mistakes or oh, right. our yeah. successes." And uh, I feel like that's what I get from the short story. I remember the mm-hmm. the moral, not necessarily the characters, unless I'm literally obsessed and it's like, "Oh, Aegon Targaryen!" Like I get his whole backstory and why he's right. no not mm-hmm. the king of. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't need to go into that one. But uh, so that would have been one of our clips. And then we would have had many, like we probably would have had to do like a compilation of all the times it would have been like uh, about the main character of a book, you know, like, right, or, yeah. or like <laughs> figuring out the main character is boring. And uh, man, there was one like, was that the big aha moment? There was one more, I think, aha moment. I feel like it was in structure of plot of a book like the the book structure i remember that kind of aha moment happening but that was several projects ago yeah i feel like that was a couple years ago i can't even remember when that was exactly that might have been just after we came back from covid not that covid went away we just came back <laughs> we yeah, were we just came, tired of not doing it <laughs> we made it we're the survivors right yeah first responding survivors no one else on this street well, we had to get back to entertaining our fans, man. Yeah, all however many of them there are. Thirty some something. It seems like. I don't, well, I don't know. Anchor says that it seems to get on average between twenty-five and thirty unique downloads a week. Obviously, some of those are us. Well, we thank We're pumping you, up those numbers. We, we thank you guys <laughs> and we thank ourselves for all of your support throughout the years because. We're getting ripped, and the show rips. Jordan's so. getting ripped. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last week when we left the podcast, I was not kidding when I said I was super excited for Lord of the Rings because I literally started it the second. Yeah, I remember you texted me immediately, like, "What are they dunking on Frodo's parents for?" And I was like, "Oh, well, because." <laughs> yeah, I, I was confused right off the bat because they it almost made it sound like uh, his parents were the ones. Like what? Like his dad was the one that, um, or like a grandfather of his was something mm. related to Smeagol or Gollum. Yeah, but that timeline's like way long off. Is I mean, it? it's kind of ambiguous when the whole Smeagol and Deagle thing happens, uh, which is a story that we get in the Fellowship, and you know, in the section that we've read, Gandalf is talking to Frodo about you know what the Ring is and all of that. Is, was Deagle mm. a brandy book? Well, they're no, they're not. They're like related to hobbits, but they don't live anywhere near the Shire. Oh, they're way off. Um, okay, so I was yeah. I was reaching for a connection that was, and then timeline wise is pretty far off as well. Really, Cause we I can was... assume that Smeagol is hundreds of years old. Yeah, I remember for some reason I was thinking he couldn't be over six hundred years old because I was thinking that yeah. like I would expect that to be too much 
But then there's it's because it's also an indeterminate amount of time between um, when the ring is lost and when Isildur loses the ring, and then when Smeagol finds it, that could be eight hundred years for all. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking that he could have only had the ring for like tops two hundred years or something, because like that would sound right to me. I would believe that, and that's why I didn't think it was too far off that it could be like a grandfather of his, since hobbits mm-hmm. live to be about a hundred, two hundred. So I was like, that's not too many generations well, off. The, but even the like the oldest hobbit before Bilbo is the old Took, and he only made it to one thirty. And that was good. an achievement. Like generally, hobbits are—they make it you know, sound they start like they getting out around like eighty-five, ninety. But they make it sound like they'll make it to that. Like they, they can no... make it to a hundred. It's not rare by any means. Yeah, and and it's not odd at all that our heroes start the story or start their adventure at fifty, fifty-five. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's just like their adulthood comes later. They don't. They become adults. Whereas, like in most human societies, modern human societies, that's eighteen, right? Hobbits become adults at 33. Mm. When Bilbo turned 111. So mm-hmm. do they have the same birthday? Yes. Or, okay. Well, that was easy to pick an heir. <laughs> He's just like, ah, you are me. Right. Bilbo didn't have any kids, right? No. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was saying like, so who was his supposed to be his heir, right? Was there another Baggins that like his, his like brother or something? Baggins was like his... I guess it was probably, I don't know off the top of my head of his actual relation. It could be looked up, but um, Otho Sackville Baggins was like, would have been the heir of Bag End once Bilbo passed, which means that he was like maybe an uncle or a cousin or something, but he was next in the Baggins line. Right. And Sackville just means that's where they live now, right? No, that's like what I'm assuming we're to take from there is that Lobelia, his wife, her. Um, maiden name is Sackville and they just hyphenated when they got married hmm. as opposed to like one taking the others okay I was thinking for some reason that there was a place Sackville and that there may be but not that it's mentioned hmm. so far Okay, um, I've never heard of it being a place well look who became the Lord <laughs> of the Rings expert <laughs> okay cool that was yeah right off the bat I was like I'm making connections that I've never seen. Right. <laughs> that don't exist. <laughs> well, it's also, Lord of the Rings is, as a mythos is so complicated and there's so many names and there's so many things that just don't get explained in the course of the story that you kind of have to look for. So it is definitely easy to just like start making connections where there might not be any. Mm. Um, and some would argue that that's part of the point of a good story and yeah. stuff like that. And I, I feel like, Tolkien would even appreciate making some connections that weren't there or that are there maybe Mm -hmm. to, because I'm sure some of them that we might figure out are ones that we hadn't seen yet. Or Mm -hmm. like, I'm, I would like to think that on this read through, I might notice something that would make you go, Oh, I wonder. And then it's like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's totally possible. Yeah. And, um, so I don't know. I'm excited for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, we were texting like right after the show last week. What do you? What do you? What did your notes end up being? Uh, I don't really. I don't have much. I have. Um, I've well, got one from the foreword because okay. the this, the edition that I have on my Kindle is the second edition, um, and Tolkien wrote a foreword for the second edition explaining, you know, the differences and the way that he kind of feels about how everything's turned out since having published the first edition of the trilogy, and he has. 
one quote that I took from there um, that I just thought was, you know, interesting. Uh, not like terribly interesting. This isn't some like revelatory idea or anything, but it's just something that I think about all the time whenever I think about stories that go on for a really long time. Um, you know, all of Game of Thrones. It is perhaps not possible in a long tale to please everybody at all points, nor to displease everybody at the same points. <laughs> okay, I get it. And so I, what I think he's you know really speaking to there is that no matter what it is that he tries to do or intends to do, or the author in general, not even just him, um, that you know the way that nobody or the, the way that anybody takes the the story given is not going to feel the same way as the person next to them at any you know given point. And so it's not really worthwhile um, attempting to do so or to have the intention of doing so. Um, and, you know, and other things of, you know, like that. And that's an idea that artists talk about all the time. Everyone's you know? a critic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and not even just that, but, to, but to be, you know, accepting of the fact that somebody's going to have a problem with something that you did at some point, you know, and they're going to be like, well, you know, this section was a little bit too long, but then somebody next to them might be like, but I really love that exactly. section, you know? And exactly. so it's just kind of like, everybody's going to interpret it different. And that's part of what you're doing is you're putting something out there to be interpreted. I have a feeling too, that, since it's so complicated that like we will appreciate different things, different readers, you know what I mean? Like it's that too. Yeah. Something that I'm, I have thought at least so like with Aragon and stuff, rereading those books, mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed the Roran and the Naswada like scenes, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I really hated deviating from Aragon. The, the first initial read through yeah, as like a, a young adult. I was just like, man, I really I wish back to the dragon. Exactly. Like <laughs> the, the stuff that I care about. And right. then, and then rereading it, it's like, okay, Naswada, that's really clever. Cause she figured mm -hmm. out a way to like not manipulate magic, but to, to use it to her advantage where it like didn't require a lot of energy mm -hmm. and they could do this thing that does take a lot of time. And, you know, and she made a lot of money that way, which is kind of like, okay, cool. Good for her. Like, it's kind of a girly thing for her to think of, but that's the point. <laughs> like right, she's yeah. a girl and she came up with this dope girly thing that made it. So they had all this money to fund a war, which is dope. Right, <laughs> like yeah. she was awesome. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I really appreciate it now where, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that's something I guess made, hopefully Christopher Paolini remembered when was, he was writing. Cause I'm sure you got a lot of criticism from yeah people probably everybody very yeah. much was like oh, just go back to the fucking dragon yeah stick with Aragon who cares about his brother it's right like, yeah or his cousin whatever yeah, I guess yeah Roran was his cousin right anyways but but yeah, yeah. it was just yeah I felt the the same way the going through a second or third time through the mm -hmm. series I was like oh all this other stuff is so good and in yeah. some parts better than Aragon's story yeah the Roran stuff is a lot more relatable the second or mm -hmm. third time through because it's like man I am a human. <laughs> And this is a human doing human <laughs> stuff. I'm not like a, the luckiest guy in the world winning the lottery right. and then getting to take like to, I mean, I guess the, the burden of caring for the entire nation is, is a little bit, <laughs> right. a little heavy, but uh, it's not necessarily like a lottery winning, but you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like right, yeah. I'm not the main character in the story. I'd like, he made the side characters a lot cooler than I realized mm -hmm, the, the first mm -hmm. time. So I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully that's something a lot of authors have, take you know with their uh with their work yeah yeah i would hope so the uh i have one other kind of i have, I have two other notes but one of them doesn't really mean anything yet uh the other one is that the the dragon firework at bilbo's Ooh. party is described as an express train which is odd okay because so the the lord of the rings is written by frodo right ostensibly and then it's kind of like amended by sam to varying degrees 
and then is copied throughout like the kingdoms and the edition that we're supposedly reading is apparently uh, a copy of the king's scribe in Gondor from a, like you know one of the last things that Aragorn um, you know kind of gets done is he wants a copy of the Red Book, which is, you know, the Lord of the Rings written by blah, 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 blah. Would this be considered meta? Or no? The, not really. Okay, then I, mean, I, I guess I don't know what the word means. Sorry. I was just trying to see if I, if I knew what it Like, meant. kind of, yes. So, like, the, the, the prologue in the second edition is meta. To, you know, in a way. Because it's, it's a, a prologue that has several different sections. You know, the first one's concerning hobbits, and a lot of what's in the concerning hobbit section is what we get um, in the opening of Fellowship of the Ring. There's mm-hmm. that uh, narration of Bilbo, um, you know, talking about hobbits, and then leading up to whenever Gandalf, uh, you know, starts riding into the Shire or whatever. Um, a lot of the dial- a lot of Bilbo's narration in that opening scene in the movie is in the concerning hobbits prologue in the second edition of the uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and. It, but all of that is from the perspective of the scribe, I think. I don't know. Okay. But in any case, like it's something that happens, like in the like in the third and fourth age, and mm-hmm. so it's weird that the dragon is described as an express train because <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> exist in this world. Oh, um, I see. And so it's a little weird. It seems to me that that's just like and just like a a lapse in oversight. Or like he just wrote it and he was still kind of since the, you know this being the first one obviously he wrote it like kind of like out of order in pieces and stuff like that after he wrote the hobbit and he wrote like a couple of chapters of the fellowship of the ring he then decided wait no what i actually want to do is write all the lore so then he just started writing lore in pieces mm-hmm. and then people were like no don't do that just finish the story and then you can do the lore and he was like okay um so i feel like he was you know, still kind of not sure exactly the perspective that he was coming at the story from. I got you. Whether it was like the perspective of somebody millions of years later in the world or something like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, was just like, you know, taking down another edition of an ancient story or whatever it might be. Um, but then, but with the second edition being apparently from somebody still in that general time period it doesn't make any sense that the words express train would exist (laughs) or that the description of what happened you know it seems odd that it would have been something that like if if a translator say years later might have mistranscribed or whatever it seems odd that they would have used that language for some, because to describe something would be like you're either copying the way that somebody's already described it mm-hmm. or you're describing it from your own experience. Yeah. And so obviously somebody that lives in a world where there are express trains would not have any personal experience of having seen it. <laughs> exactly. So, but to read a description that would make you think of a freight train is a little odd as well. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know exactly what you're saying. The only thing that I could give to that would just be like maybe Gandalf. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Maybe he knew that they were would exist. I, I mean, that's it's just, that's a bit it's of a stretch. A weird though. bit. It's it a, is weird. It's a. It's weirder than the fox. Although the fox is maybe you know it, it's only weirder than the fox in that it's the only kind of. And we'll find out if there's any more, but it's the only like sort of lapse in understanding where the story is coming from. Whereas the fox is just weird because like we never get the perspective of an animal again like that. That was the genesis for that uh, song. What does the fox say? What does the fox say? <laughs> <laughs> they were reading this book and they were like, we need to write about that guy. 
the untold story. <laughs> what does the fox say? Right. Um, yeah, that would be annoying. <laughs> um, those were your two? I have another one that just talks about... I mean, I guess I can say it. Spoiler. The only reason I wasn't going to say it was because I thought that maybe it was a little bit uh, extra foreshadowing. But like I said last week, this is a, a story that is you know over almost a hundred years old at this point um Ooh, that's the, cool. is that uh and i might also just be reading into something here but frodo is always oversleeping mm-hmm. and i think that that is could be construed as if it wasn't intentional uh, an early instance of the ring trying to hinder him from continuing the journey because the ring is already at this point aware that something is happening that maybe is not exactly what it wants interesting and that's very that's very possible because I, I didn't realize that the ring still affected you based, like whether you had worn it ever or not. Like mm-hmm. from, from my assumptions, Frodo has never worn the ring before, but... Up to that point, I think that that's true. But he's also, he ha- he's still experiencing effects of ownership of the ring mm-hmm. because the, the ring has changed ownership. Like it has been given to Frodo from Bilbo. Yeah. And uh, it was just interesting to see that like Frodo, by merely being in proximity and having the title of owner of the ring, you know, mm-hmm. like that he was still getting the eternal youth left for lack of a better term. Cause that's not right. what it is, but like the extended, uh, the extended mm-hmm. youthfulness. The extended yeah. And, yeah. And so that was cool. I didn't, I didn't realize that was a thing. And obviously the ring is, you know, it, it, it's like pulling fate. Mm-hmm. I feel like in different directions, it's not necessarily like a it's mind of its own, but it's like, it a, has you know power because mm-hmm. it's more or less so it's the embodiment of uh Sauron. yeah power, it's, like half of Sauron's it's not evil unlike power. a horcrux <laughs> yeah i got you it's a uh, perhaps not exactly the same i'm um, obviously not exactly the same because these are two different you know instances of magic and different you know mythoses but it's uh it's not unlike that as you know if, if you were to make a comparison i guess that would be a fairly apt comparison it's so the one ring in him. was owned by Salazar Slytherin. Sauron oh, and Salazar go. Slytherin are the same. Mm. <gasps> they both start with an S. <laughs> I love that it like eludes in several different times uh, to like the 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 eye of the ring. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sauron. You know, like yeah. when Tom Bombadil looks through the ring comically. Like yeah. they, uh, I like that everyone at the. I was going to say at the table, I don't know where they were when he did it, but everyone that was there, uh, I, th- I think they both felt, um, can't remember the exact wordage, but they basically were like surprised and kind of like in awe at like the way he was playing with the ring. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like at the power of like looking through it, that probably yeah, right. shocked them all a little bit. Bilbo describes it whenever he's, you know, talking with Gandalf about giving it up. And he describes it as, you know, having felt as though he had been being watched by a fiery eye. I remember that. I remember thinking like, ooh, that's very foreshadowing. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Well, you ready for my silly notes? <laughs> go for it. Okay. I did not realize that um, Gandalf was the one that did the freight train firework because in the movie it's Marion Pippin. Like they broke into his uh, Right. Well, it's, <clears> it's, they're cut. all of Gandalf's creation. But right. yeah, the movie makes a comical scene of Marion. It's a good, in- well, because that's also our introduction to Marion mm-hmm. in the movies. Yeah. And they are, you know, more or less a little bit Mischievous. You know, mischievous yeah they're the youngest of the hobbits i believe that sounds right 
Sam could possibly be younger. For some reason, I think Sam is younger. The youngest. I think think Pippin's the youngest. Oh, really? Of the four. I thought Sam was the youngest. I could be wrong. It's Sam's younger than Frodo, right? Yes. Okay. Frodo is by far the oldest. (laughs) Old man. (laughs) Old old man Frodo. You want to go to old man Bagginses? (laughs) If I had to guess, I think, and I'll look it up before I make a fool of myself. But if I had to guess, it's uh, Frodo marries Sam Pippin, from oldest to youngest. Hmm. I, I heard that as Frodo marries Sam. <laughs> um, okay, while you're looking that up, I'll tell you my next note because it's silly. Um, in this woke uh, nation that we live in, um, hmm. I noticed that uh, hobbits are called people. Hobbits are people. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't know if he was going to say my fine like hobbits or whatever in his speech, but in Bilbo's speech, he was like, uh, all you wonderful people, something like that. He said he called them people, and I was like, all right, I get it. That's the... That's how you refer to a hobbit. And then, okay. Uh, one thing that I wrote down, I said, because I thought it would be a good discussion, was how does Bilbo have the willpower to leave the ring? Is it the fear of Gandalf or upsetting his oldest friend? Oldest and maybe his best friend? Because I knew that there was a lot of like guilt. like There was a lot of shame kind of that happened right before he gave up the ring. Mm-hmm. And then also I noted at the very end that giving the ring to Frodo is a lot easier than destroying it. So... I'm sure the act of giving it away is a lot easier than the act of of getting rid of it forever because mm-hmm. one is very definitive and the other, there's still like a little bit of hope maybe that you might see the ring again. So I feel like that might lend itself to being a little bit easier for him to have let the, the ring go because it was like unheard of for anybody to have ever like let it go yeah. before this point, right? I think that, well, because this is also, I mean, yes, that's all correct. Um, the part that kind of stood out to me or at least that I remember standing out to me a little bit more this time was all the d- the discussion and sort of thinking about the situation that Gandalf was doing um and because this is also the first time that a hobbit has been a ring bearer mm. and so just in general the 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 knowledge of how a hobbit would react to a ring of power is entirely unknown okay um, and then also the way that Gandalf or the, the way that um Bilbo obtains the ring and then mm, okay. doesn't use it to then immediately murder Smeagol or Gollum is mm. also pretty uh, essential to the attitude that Bilbo has towards the ring and the way that he takes ownership of, you know, that entire situation. Because if he had murdered Smeagol in the way that Smeagol murdered Deagle in the way that the goblins murdered a sealed door, and, you know, because it, it's like a bloody history up to that point. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Bilbo just kind of happens upon it, uses it to escape and spares Gollum when he could have killed him and he even considers doing so in the moment, but then decides not to. Okay. Um, he takes mercy. And so that has a big effect on his relationship with the ring. Um, and then that's, that's just like the freaking Deathly Hallows. That's, that's the, <laughs> I, I was writing that mm-hmm. down as you were singing it. And I was like, you were describing the death stick. Right. <laughs> that's crazy, man. It's like yeah. all three hallows embodied in one because it's the invisibility cloak. It's the it's the ring of the wand of power and, and like the, the ring of uh, life or whatever. Like it's yeah. the it's the one Hermione was saying how it could have been uh, like a fable rewritten uh, from from the Philosopher's Stone, mm-hmm. like gone off of that idea. Right. But maybe that's how Rowling got the idea. She just deconstructed the one ring mm-hmm. to rule them all the tweaked one it ring a little bit them. yeah as in i think that as we get through the series you'll probably see other things and other s- stories that you've you know taken in that you can be like oh maybe 
there's a bit of this in that because this is like this is the first one yeah Yeah. like and i sometimes hear people talking about lord of the rings it's like oh my god that's so like that's such a tired idea it's like yeah because it was the first time that that idea existed and it existed almost 100 years ago at this point like all the things that we have now have almost direct if not immediately direct inspiration from lord of the rings like tolkien sort of laid the groundwork for nearly all fantasy stories to be told afterwards yeah Hmm. well good thing we're we're reading it (laughs) right (laughs) okay so and the bilbo also had been feeling the negative effects okay he had had it so long at this point he said he had felt stretched thin mm -hmm, the the other famous line is if you know butter scraped over too much bread yeah uh and and so he sort of was sort of thinking like you know this isn't right anymore Mm -hmm. like something's a little off about all this and he you know had his suspicions and always knew in the back of his mind that, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, too hard to realize that maybe the ring wasn't exactly something that he needed in his life. Okay. Do you think any of it had to do with Gandalf kind of shaming him a little bit? Because I'm sure that... If Gandalf hadn't been there, Bilbo would have walked off without it. Oh, yeah. Almost He certainly. tried to. Yeah. So... Um, so, yeah. I mean, definitely Gandalf had to, you know, give him a kick to get back onto the right road. But, I mean, the whole plan was to get rid of it in the beginning mm-hmm. anyways, right? Yeah. So, Bilbo had always intended to get rid of it, but when it came down to the moment, he did need that assistance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, point hobbits. One, one for hobbits. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> okay. So, my next note after that was... Um, oh, I also wrote that he maybe he startled himself when he called it the precious or his precious and he saw his fate flash before his eyes because Gollum, you know, Mm. so uh, probably all those things. Okay. Um, Gandalf claims to have never called Bilbo a thief. That doesn't sound true. (laughs) Didn't he call him a thief in the first book? He calls him a burglar. (laughs) Clever girl. I see what you did there, uh, Mr. uh, Mr. Wizard. Okay. Uh, Farmer Maggot. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Farmer Maggot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cute name. Um, he's awesome, by the way. He's so cool. Yeah. He's super nice, super chill. All um, we see of him in the movie is just a rake coming over the crops. And two like, or three mad, mad, mad dogs. Yeah. <laughs> that is Farmer Maggot. Right. Yeah. For such a not nice name, he's a very cool person. He's a, he's a, he's one of the big folk, eh? No, he's a <laughs> hobbit. Oh, he's a hobbit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He lives in the Shire. Well, he lives. He doesn't live in the the Shire. Shire. He, he literally lives in the Shire because all of the Shire includes the, you know the four farthings, and then Buckland gets taken into the Shire. Mm. At, you know, in you know in history, but it's not like the Shire proper. The we we don't the Buckland hobbits are weird. They're just a little funky. Yeah, they like the water too much, mm-hmm. and some of them can swim. Some of them can. Yeah, I did read that. Um, okay, cool. I I thought it was interesting because i had never considered it before but of course this is the case um it it even said in this that like i forgot which which one of the hobbits said it but uh i think he was saying that one of his cousins goes through this area when he's hunting i was like oh yeah of course hobbits hunt right (laughs) they just just might not hunt elk you know they're probably hunting deer and and rabbits and you know hobbit sized stuff right (laughs) and pigs and i was like okay of course they hunt um it's just funny because I never thought of it. Um, uh, I was right about the ages. It is uh, Frodo, Mary, uh, Sam, and then Pippin. There you go. Nice. It's cool, too, how 
old they are, even though they kind of make them out to be childish, just because of their size, really. Mm-hmm. It, they come off very kid-like. And they lot. also have a, a real innocence to them just because they grew up in the Shire. Oh, true. Where there was no troubles. Like, yeah. Frodo doesn't have a job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was also... I don't think any also, of the four... I think the only four, one of the, of the four of them that has a job is Sam. Yeah. Which is working for his friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean... So they have like an innocence, like they're constantly fucking up, right? Until they meet Aragorn. They're always making mistakes. They're like, well, let's cut through the old forest. Well, let's take a sleep by this tree that's obviously trying to make us go to sleep. (laughs) Well, let's do this. And every single step of the way, you're like, that is such a dumb thing to do. But we have the context of adults with like experience doing things that have stakes, right? Where their entire lives is just wake up, eat, Hang out with your bud, write letters to your bud that lives too far away for you to go see in a single day. Yeah. Eat some more, go to sleep. I'm I am I am eager <laughs> to see I'm eager to see how that sort of adulthood, like how it how it'll translate to the life on the road adulthood, like the more rugged, mm-hmm. hardcore lifestyle that I guess we're used to seeing in these sorts of stories. Um, because you're right, they're making a lot of silly mistakes that of course, the the innocent Hobbit folk, folk would make. They're, they're not adventurers. They're, they don't grow up hearing all these stories and hearing mm-hmm. about all the mistakes that you could make. They just heard the one story from Bilbo. <laughs> right. And uh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, so these Hobbits. These Hobbits are... Yeah, I guess I'd never put it into perspective how much they were probably risking themselves. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and without foreshadowing too much, because I don't know how much of the book and the movie are the same, but... Pippin, I believe, Pippin or Mary, doesn't matter. Uh, one of them is like singing old bar songs or whatever to entertain like the king of... Oh, the prancing. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like the king Way of, down in, uh, yeah, once they get to Gondor, yeah, that's Pippin. Gondor, yeah. And I just, I was thinking like, I don't know any bar songs, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what... That was just interesting, him making it work. Like the, mm-hmm. It shows like the tenacity of a hobbit to always like find a way, even if you're at the lowest of the low and everyone thinks of you as like a jester, like mm. the, the, the class that's supposed to mock themselves. He, he found a way to like shine and, and come out of it ahead. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I guess I'm excited to see those things come up because mm. uh, I'm sure their expertise in life will, will come out and they'll say things. And I mean, of course, that's why they have a more innocent look on everything, and that's why they're more trusting, and right. why we're in the story we're in. I think so. That's that's so yeah. interesting. I never, I never really considered like their innocence. I just sort of thought of them as older guys. So like, okay, they have the experience, but you're right; they don't really have the, the grit of the under their fingernails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, so here's I'll read the note exactly how I wrote it. The Buckland Brandy Bucks and Buckleberry loved boats, and some of them can swim. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure. Okay, so is Buckleberry a place? Yes. Is Buckland a place? Buckland is a place, and the f- ferry is the Buckleberry Ferry. And but Buckleberry and is not a place, or is Buckleberry? I a guess place it's within like literally Buckland? a location within Buckland. And Buckland then, is like like the Shire is within Hoppeton. The well, the Hobbiton is Hobbiton is within the Shire. The Shire is the country, effectively. Oh, okay. If you were to think it like on like you know on equivalent the Shire, terms, the Shire is the country. Okay, I thought it was a city. No, and I thought Hobbiton, Hobbiton is the city. Okay, and it's in the the West Farthing. 
It's a, that map is not terribly accurate. It actually makes me a little upset. Jordan okay. is looking at a map that is behind him in my drawing room. <laughs> I, will, I will not reference the map then. Yeah, it's, it's a little, it's kind of an odd map that I don't really understand, you know, where it came from. Um, there are weird inconsistencies with it. But the, yeah, the, the Hobbiton is a, is a city inside the county of one of the four farthings. And the Shire is the country. Buckland is like a city-state within the Shire. Okay. That probably won't be the last time you have to explain that. But <laughs> the, I think I get it. Okay. <clears throat> so was my note right? The Buckland, Brandy Bucks, and Buckleberry loved... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hobbits like weed and have an affinity for mushrooms. I wrote the weed part myself because I remember them saying Old Toby is the finest weed in the South Farthing, but I don't know if we've had any Old Toby yet. Um, they've mentioned it, although that might have been in the About Hobbits or Considering Hobbits prologue. Um, but it's so... Like, I did specifically... I go back and forth on whether or not it's you know marijuana, like a marijuana mm-hmm. equivalent or not. I don't think that it is. I, I certainly didn't think it is when I was, when I was a kid. And then... Like they make it out to sort of be in the movies, um, especially whenever Mary and Pippin find it in Isengard and they're smoking and they're like oh, cracking yeah. up and having a real good time. Mm-hmm. And even whenever I first saw it, I was, kid, I was like, no, they're just like happy. Just they got overjoyed their... that they yeah. found something of their home, you know, mm-hmm. after they just fought like a fucking war, basically. Yeah. Which to be but fair, then as I got older, it. I was watching the movies and I was like, I guess that's supposed to be kind of like a weed joke right there, mm-hmm. isn't it? But then reading through it. Again, this time, just trying to keep that in mind. I think that it's just tobacco. In fact, there's one point where in the prologue section, there is a concerning the smoking of pipeweed. Uh, it like ex- uh, expressly refers to it as like being in line with not tobacco, but it uses like a like whatever like the Greek root word for tobacco would be effectively is what it you know refers to it as. So I think that it's just supposed to just be like a tobacco equivalent. I don't think that it has any, you know, um uh, psychotic effects or whatever. I don't know, magic tobacco from a medieval land. <laughs> you never know. It certainly could be a little but like, you know, even so like if I get lazy and don't buy cigarettes for a week and then have a cigarette, I get a bit of a buzz off of it, you know. Oh, for sure. Like you can get a tobacco buzz and of course that's probably also because I smoke cowboy killers and there's just a bunch of rat poison in them. But like yeah. still I, I mean, mean, people didn't start smoking tobacco because it didn't make them feel good. Yeah, it did you know? because it did nothing. It just looked cool. Right. <laughs> Um, I just, I figured it was probably weed because they specifically say m- that hobbits have an affinity for mushrooms and I just thought like, okay, that's silly. Like, of course. Right. Have an affinity it is a little mushrooms. bit too on the nose for it to not be a slight reference, right? That they're eating mushrooms all the time. It feels and like smoking it. weed. And I also think that. But I also love mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I really would not love. Not the psychedelic to- kind, though I wouldn't be opposed to trying them. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking real mushrooms. Um, yeah, I would. I, and I've wanted to go like foraging for mushrooms, like, mm-hmm. you know, culinary mushrooms. And, uh, yeah, mushrooms you read, are like so a whole cool. book on it. <laughs> yeah. I've got, a, I've got a book on it. Um, mushrooming with confidence. Shout out. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, Gandalf is a dork is what I wrote for this little section. I was going to write all my notes that I thought Gandalf was super dorky. Uh, I only have one, but I thought it was really silly when he was like, look out for me, especially at unlikely times. 
goodbye because <laughs> he like leaves i just was like okay you dork like of course like right. that's an that's a wizard thing to say like be sure to look out for me at the beginning at of the that, most like, unlikely time section whenever he's like saying that he, he finishes with that line but he starts that same like paragraph of i'm taking off right now mm-hmm. and i will be back at some point and i'm going to explain to you several times how it's not going to be when you expect yeah like the, the first thing that he says is expect me when you see me <laughs> like, <laughs> okay that is such a fucking gandalf thing to say well i should have wrote that down then expect Back when you see me. Okay, cool. And, and then I wrote quotes because these were the ones that gave me the goose flesh because they were, you know, from the movie. And, uh, well, from the book that they made. Into mm-hmm. the, you know what I mean? Um, so this is Bilbo. Uh, he's like, you'll keep an eye on Frodo, won't you? And then Gandalf, uh, I will. Two eyes, as often as I can spare them. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> and that was the only right. one I guess I wrote. Those were all my, uh, all my notes. Because I was driving most of the other times I was listening and I didn't want to oh, right. take a note. <laughs> but I remember specifically thinking the Tom Bombadil looking through the ring, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, thinking that was cool. And then how old he is. He's like as old as the earth. He, 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 yeah. like, he notes that like he was there when the first raindrop fell and he, yeah, he like, remembers hit his cheek or whatever. Drop and he remembers... You know, the men coming out of Westerness and all of that. Yeah. So he's like, uh, he's older than all of the, he's like from all of the ages. I, I, I don't think that we like really get age. any answer as to what he is exactly. Some people posit that he might be a physical representation of Iluvatar, the one God who creates everything. Um, though I find that to be a little unlikely. Uh, but it, I think what's more likely is that he might have been, he might be like, like a, like a demigod, right? But not one of the Valar who are the next step under Iluvatar, but perhaps a Maiar, which are a step under the Valar. And I think that Goldberry is a, is a Maiar, his wife. Oh. Um, Because she seems to. Whenever she like, uh, you know, they wake up on, on the first day after, you know, staying at Tom Bombadil's house and he's like, Goldberry is out today. It's her washing day. And, and they're like, okay. And then she comes back at the end of the day once the rain stops mm. and she's like, the rain is done. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I guess you control the rain in these parts or whatever, or, you know, something to that effect. Yeah. She's, you know, a a part of the nature in that area, which is effectively what most of the Maiar are. Um, they're just like little, like, you know, sprites. Hmm. The way I, I kind of wrote it in my mind was that she was mother nature, like embodied and he was mm-hmm. the earth embodied and that yeah. together they were like the circle of life. <laughs> right. They're sort of, they seem to represent a lot of things like that for yeah. sure. Um, certainly for the area that they live in because they mm-hmm. don't leave the area that they live in. Yeah. Uh, so, so but we never get any like full explanation as to what they are but i think that the thing that makes the most sense is that goldberry is a Maiar, and tom bombadil is i mean they do explain what he is in that he is is <laughs> is what goldberry just says she she says he is and has always been no i'm just yeah. kidding <laughs> so he's just like is some sort of unique being to Middle Earth, yeah, and unique to that location in Middle Earth. Um, so I don't know. He's a weird character that I don't really understand his purpose. Yeah, especially because he doesn't come back up ever again, right? Like this isn't this our only? Yeah, he doesn't even get fully explained, or he doesn't get explained hardly any better in the Silmarillion, um, which is another 
maybe like sort of uh, showing as how Tolkien might not have exactly known where the story was going to go at this point, writing yeah. the first one, knowing how like much heavier and bigger everything was going to be, that maybe he was still kind of falling into habits of having written The Hobbit as a children's book, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where the hobbits just go on these wacky adventures and yeah. things that don't necessarily fall into place with the greater stories, themes happen like the fox mm-hmm. and tom bombadil doesn't really make any sense in the greater you know view of the whole story yeah like he i, I see what you're saying like he might have had a direction for them in the beginning and then just realized that they're mm-hmm. just stepping stones to the story like right because why give the fox that you know uh yeah that bit of personification thank you that's for, exactly like, really what no reason ever yeah without having to come back up later <laughs> something similar yeah. you know it's just sort of like a kid's story mm-hmm. up until the council of elrond mm. and then from that point on like everything becomes much more adult and much more dramatic and things are a little bit more consistently in line with themselves after that point yeah the the adventures of the hobbits are consistently just kind of wacky yeah <laughs> and it's it's odd yeah well i mean that's where we go council of elrond right after this right Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty much everything I had as far as my notes and thoughts on on this section. I don't know if you wanted to keep diving into it. I'm definitely down. I just I'm trying to think like, yeah, there's not really there's not a whole lot more that happens. I mean, so like they leave Tom Bombadil, right? Right. Oh, Tom and they Bombadil get caught by a Barrow White. And mm-hmm. have to get saved by Tom again. <laughs> yeah. And then Tom sees them to the road and then they make it to Bree and then they run into Strider and then they have, uh, you know, an event in Bree and then they spend like four or five days getting to Weathertop and then Frodo gets stabbed and then they spend two weeks getting to the Ford of Bruinen where Glorfindel saves them, not Arwen like in the movies. Glorfindel. But that is a very convenient time to introduce Arwen as a character in the movie, so I see why they did it. And then... All nine of the writers are there at the Ford, which I don't think is necessarily true in the movie. I think there might only be eight at that point in the movie. I don't know. I used to count it because I used to be really interested into seeing, you know, where all the writers were at any point in time in the movies. I feel like I remember there being eight at the Ford, but I could be wrong. And then the... These are the... Who are these? The, the Ring Race. The okay, writers. that's what I thought. Okay. Um, And then the, the river washes them away, which is something that Elrond does. From Rivendell. It's not Arwen doing it. Because Arwen's not even there in the books. I mean, Arwen's in Rivendell, but she is not the one that goes and meets up with the party and saves Frodo or whatever. And then Frodo passes out. And then book two. Book two. I was just thinking about something. I can't remember exactly what it was. But but, um, it was not literally like a, a ton. There's so much more storytelling in the story. Yes. Um, than is in the films. In the films, they obviously have to cut a bunch of stuff for time. They're already long as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, in the director's cuts, they add some of the stuff. Like there's a there's a scene whenever they're traveling with Strider, where he alludes to the story of Baron and Luthien, which is my favorite story from the Silmarillion, coincidentally, and uh, and tells it in short. But in the book, it's when they're sitting at Weathertop, and it's considerably longer it takes forever (laughs) um it's like three pages that he talks about it which is cool um but there's just so much storytelling don't forget (laughs) that your 
least favorite moments might be someone else's most favorite moments. Right. <laughs> I don't really, I, I don't have a no, problem with kidding. it because I like boring stuff. Uh, a very, you know, famously like a lot of really boring things. And I like things that people find boring. Well, but I can then, just see why people are like, man, Lord of the Rings is a bit of a slog. Uh, yeah, I definitely understand what people mean when they say that. But to to our own token, like this is exactly where we thrive, getting all the lore and the, the yeah, nitty gritty. Exactly. Like this is this is right up our alley, and I'm really happy we're doing this book. We're cause... probably into that sort of idea because these are the stories that we read first. Yes, or stories like this, mm-hmm. as opposed to coming up with stories now, which are a little bit more streamlined. Mm-hmm. Um, Generally speaking, I'm sure that, you know, very detailed and boring stories are still being told, but uh, things are, you know, generally speaking in popular media a little bit more streamlined these days. Yeah. I was introduced to these books like right before the movies came out, I believe. And then the movies came out at like a really pivotal time, I think, in our lives because it was like young adulthood for us. And like it was they came out year after year. And it was just like it was so good. Yeah. So what? 9-11? <laughs> just kidding we were in intermediate school so like intermediate school through junior high and then like it was a, it was still like a big deal in high school we talked about it and yeah, like watched the movies and stuff and yeah and then they came out year after year it was pretty incredible yeah it was it was awesome you know and they won a ton of awards like i think that's that they was such a cool thing several that, but they didn't win best picture until return of the king yeah and by that point it was kind of just like a, an appreciation of the entire mm-hmm. thing that was done they gave return of the king best film well, I, it did a really good job of bringing these books back into the, you know, like the pop culture pretty much. Oh, yeah. And, bringing and, it to the forefront. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It was an entirely overdue revitalization mm-hmm. of, of its popularity for sure. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking forward to the Amazon series that I didn't know about. But I'm like you said, it's it's a, it's not even the, the story. So it's it's right before. So Which be, is good. Yeah, it's just more nerdy stuff for us to more, geek out like about. The problem that Star Wars has is that they just can't fucking get away from the Skywalker family. Like they mm. refuse to get away from that family, which is you know sad and pathetic. But the them getting away from you know the the War of the Ring for the this Amazon series is obviously the better move. But at the, the same the time, like I just don't know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, they're throwing so much fucking money and resources into it that it could, you know, topple under its own weight. We'll see. Yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe we'll if... get Tom Bombadil's origin story. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be impossible because it's in the Second Age, and obviously Tom Bombadil is as old as time or whatever. <laughs> Flashback. Right. Old <laughs> when, Tom Bombadil. When Aslan roars the the earth into being. Oh yeah. Just kidding. I'm Aslan keeps popping up. And memes that I, or I keep seeing the Aslan meme lately. Um, the do not cite the deep magic to me. I was there when it was written or whatever. <laughs> that keeps popping up all over Reddit lately. I love thinking about a big lion talking to just like his mouth, <laughs> just like blah, 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 right. blah, blah, blah. And he's blah. like a fucking giant lion yeah. too, right? He's like as big as anything else in those fucking movies. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, you know, really obviously, obviously there was a book before it was movies. But yeah, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien were great friends. Until C.S. Lewis became like a super Christian and was kind of like, I don't like some of the things that you did in your books, Tolkien, or something like that. I can't remember how that played out. Or maybe it was C.S. Lewis got in a fight with some other famous author about it. But there was a point where C.S. Lewis became like super Christian and was kind of like dogging on one of his friends. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I was there. Yeah, no, I remember hearing a little bit about about that. But I knew that they were close friends. Mm-hmm. and. That's that's another cool thing about this this series is that we can do such a deep dive even to who they were as people and it'll be also fascinating I feel like 
Yeah, so. Tolkien wrote much of the trilogy, though when he originally wrote it, he had wanted it to be six books. Uh, Nerd. The <laughs> um, During the, you know, leading up to and then taking a break during and then following World War II, um, which I think his son took part in. Because son, his son was in the RAF, but I don't know how involved in the actual war Christopher Tolkien was involved in. Uh, but I know that he also had a role that I can't remember. He wasn't like enlisted or like in, you know, even like an advisory role or anything. But he, he talks about having, you know, like a responsibility during the war, as he refers to it. Huh. Um, and he wrote The Hobbit following the First World War. I think he was in the First World War, if I remember correctly. Wow. Uh, so it's really interesting to kind of think about, you know, what was happening back then mm-hmm. and what may or may not have, you know, informed the ideas that he had when, you know, creating a universe. <laughs> yeah. I think I think weed was a lot more common, too, back then, uh, before, like, the, the 40s and 50s. Like, and I almost want to say that, yeah, it was given to the soldiers like in Korea, but that's a pretty different war. Obviously, the, you know, it's pretty the, different time wise. But I had heard that a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, soldiers were given that just because that's what they had on access, like mm-hmm. easy access. Right. And uh, so they just like they gave it to the soldiers to keep them happy. You know, I mean, right. they're in they're in wartime. They're not, you know, if you can right. just <laughs> get them high and they're a little bit happier than OK. Right. But, uh, it's definitely a little bit uh, less consequential to get a soldier um you know high on weed during his you know r and r period mm-hmm. than letting him get blistered drunk yeah. and then hung over the next day <laughs> yeah that's a good point <laughs> when he's not on r and r anymore <laughs> especially if they don't have access to all the alcohol and all the like and they just have a ton of weed like around right. then the literal then, you know. logistics of shipping alcohol versus shipping weed must have been would be dramatic because weed mm-hmm. is one not in glass bottles yeah <laughs> And two, it's not much lighter. Is yeah. heavy, yeah. But excuse me, I think that's uh, yeah, I'm good, man. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Part One. Yeah, um, obviously next week or this coming week, leading up to next week's episode, rather, is uh, we're just finishing out the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, still not sure what we're going to do after that. If we're going to continue the series, or if we jump to Book One of Jordan's Chosen series. Or what we'll you know we'll hash that out and let y'all know next week. Yeah, we could even do a little bit of a movie movie watch podcast. Get Kenneth on mm-hmm. to talk about Lord of the Rings a little bit. That might be fun. Right? Yeah, he's uh, the other uh, very knowledgeable Lord of the Rings person that I know personally. Yeah. Although Sean might have surpassed Kenneth in his efforts to know enough to make fun of Kenneth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we can get them both. Right. We'll have Sean radio. Well, Sean only lives in San Antonio. Yeah, that'd be we can interesting. Force him to drive up here. Yeah. Possibly. Make him hang out with us. Right. <laughs> I'll text him. I'll see what he says. And He's that, reclusive. Yeah. Well, you guys know how to find us. Uh, anchor.fm slash ears dash stamps. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a way to find, you know, uh, find us, support us, um, see us on all different social medias. And um, yeah, just finish the book. Finish the book. We will see y'all next week. I'm Will Hedrick. I'm Jordan Schaffer. This is Dog Ears and Timestamps. Old Tom Bombadil is a jolly fellow. Bright blue his jacket is. And his boots are yellow. <laughs> He's a fucking weird character.